0: by sharing what the clients of Wall Street Mastermind have done to get results like these. Enjoy this episode. A lot of students talk about exit opportunities when they're asked why they want to start their career on Wall Street. What kind of exit opportunities does that entail exactly? If you start your career on Wall Street, does that mean that you're going to have to be a finance person for the rest of your career? To answer this question, I decided to do some research to figure out who are some of the most successful business people we know spent the early part of the careers on Wall Street. So before I show you what I found though, do me a favor and hit the subscribe button so that you can be notified when I put out more awesome content you are not going to want to miss in the near future. So let's dive in. Now for the purpose of this exercise, we're going to measure success by someone's net worth, okay? Uh, now, before all the trolls come in and say, success doesn't necessarily mean having more money, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, yeah, I, I get it, okay, I know. I'm not saying that money should be the definition of success for every single person, and it may not be the definition of success for you, but it is one of the most objective ways for us to measure success for an exercise like this, okay? So we can think of money just as an exchange of value, right? And the people who are able to accumulate massive wealth have for the most part been able to do so because the value they've created through the work represents or reflects what they're being paid, right? So with that said, let's dive in and see who some of these people are. Now to start, let's get the most obvious ones out of the way, right? Yes, a lot of the most wealthy people who started their careers on Wall Street, ended up staying on Wall Street. Many of them go on to become investors on the buy side, either starting their own private equity firm or hedge funds or joining venture capital firms as partners. Now, there are too many of these people to name. So I've just included three examples here. Okay. The first one, probably the most famous Steve Schwarzman, right? He's the founder and CEO of Blackstone, which basically is a top dog in private equity, right? This man is worth $27 billion. Okay. Which is pretty badass if you ask me, but He started his career at Donaldson, Lufkin & Generate, which is also known as DLJ, um, and they merged with Credit Suisse back in 2000. After business school, he also worked at Lehman Brothers, and he worked his way all the way up to becoming a managing director at age 31, which is pretty young. And then eventually he became the global head of M&A there before leaving to go start Blackstone. So that's an example from the private equity world. And then next we got David Tepper, who's the founder of Appaloosa Management, which is one of the most successful hedge funds out there. Okay. This guy has a net worth of $15 billion and is also the owner of the Carolina Panthers football team. Okay. He actually started as a credit analyst at Goldman Sachs back in 1985, then became its head trader within six months and then worked for the firm for eight years. But at the end, he got passed over for a partner at Goldman two years in a row. Partner is basically the most senior level that you can get to inside of Goldman Sachs and it's very prestigious, very few people can make partner each year, but he got passed over for that role for two years in a row. And so he quit Goldman at that point to start his own fund. Now that has obviously worked out quite well for him. This just goes to confirm what a wise man once told me, which is that a setback is oftentimes just a setup for a comeback. Next, we've talked about private equity and we've talked about hedge funds. So of course I got to show the venture capital some love as well, right? And so Mary Meeker here, she started her career at Merrill Lynch before making stops at Solomon Brothers, Cowan and eventually Morgan Stanley. Now it was at Morgan Stanley where she really made a name for herself as an equity research analyst, as she published what's called the internet report. Okay. Which became basically the Bible for investors who want to know the latest trends in the internet space in 2010, she left her job as managing director at Morgan Stanley to become a partner at Kleiner Perkins, which is one of the top venture capital firms out there. She stayed at Kleiner for eight years before leaving to start her own fund called Bond Capital and was able to raise $1.2 billion for her debut fund. She's worth an estimated $141 million today. This is probably the only slide ever created in the history of mankind where Mary Meeker will be the poorest person on the slide. I'm sorry, Mary, but okay. Now that we've gotten the finance titans out of the way, let's get into some of the more interesting success stories that you probably didn't know that these people started their careers on Wall Street, okay? First, let's go through a few examples of really, really successful entrepreneurs. The most famous one of them all has got to be none other than Jeff Bezos. Bezos is the richest man in the world, depending on the day of the week and how Amazon stock is trading. He's right up there with Bernard Arnold and Elon Musk in the top three at around $200 billion. Now, did you know that before he founded Amazon, he worked at D.E. Shaw, which at the time was actually a newly founded hedge fund. And they have a strong emphasis on mathematical modeling. Okay. He also became the fourth senior vice president at D.E. Shaw at just the age of 30. And today D.E. Shaw has over $50 billion of assets under management. But I think it's safe to say that even though Bezos would have done quite well had he stayed at D.E. Shaw, he probably doesn't regret leaving to start Amazon. Next up, we have Michael Bloomberg, who's the former mayor of New York City. Now this man is worth $59 billion and he is known for self-funding his presidential campaign back in 2019 and 2020, where he put in $935 million of his own money. Okay. Which made it the most expensive U S presidential primary campaign ever. Most of his wealth came from starting a company that's named after himself called Bloomberg, which is a financial information software that everyone on Wall Street uses today. Right. Before all of that though, he started his career as Solomon brothers, where he became a general partner. Next, we have Joseph Tsai, who may not be as well known here in the United States, but he is one of the most successful businessmen in Asia. He's most famously known for being a co-founder of Alibaba, along with Jack Ma. And Alibaba, for those of you who are not familiar, is the largest e-commerce company in China. But early on in his career, Joe actually worked in private equity at two different firms. One was called Rosecliff, and the other one was called Investor AB, okay? Today, he's worth about $12 billion, and he also owns the Brooklyn Nets, okay? But you don't have to start your own company to be a successful Wall Street alum. Let's finish this off with a few people who simply worked their way up to the corporate C-suite after their careers on Wall Street. First, let's start with Sarah Fryer, who has a special place in my heart. Sarah spent 11 years at Goldman Sachs covering software companies and later became the CFO at Square for six years. Yep. She was my boss when I worked there. And uh, that was one of the best teams I've ever been a part of the finance and strategy team at Square. That's really a testament to Sarah's leadership and ability to hire good people. Now, back in 2018, she became the CEO of Nextdoor and she helped them raise money in 2019 from investors at a $2.2 billion valuation. Okay. She also sits on the board of Walmart and Slack, two of the most successful companies in their respective industries. And she's one of the smartest and most accomplished women that I've ever met. Next, we have another senior leader from another one of my former employers. This time it's Ruth Porat, who started her career at Morgan Stanley in 1987 and worked her way up the ranks at one point serving as the co-head of technology investment banking, which was the group that I was in, but she was way before my time. She followed that up by becoming the global head of their financial institutions group, and then she became the vice chairman of investment banking. And then eventually she became Morgan Stanley CFO. Okay, so she actually left Morgan Stanley in 2015 to become the CFO of Alphabet, which is basically the parent company for Google. Now in 2020, Forbes named her as the 16th most powerful woman in the world, while she also came in seventh on Fortune's most powerful woman list. She is worth an estimated $180 million today. Next, we have Greg Maffei, who started his career in 1982 at an investment bank called Dylan Reed which has since been acquired. Maffei has one of the most accomplished resumes you will ever see. Having served as CFO at Microsoft, then CEO at 360 Network, then he was the co-president at Oracle. And then now he's the CEO of Liberty Media, which is one of the largest media communications and entertainment businesses in the world. If you don't know what Liberty Media is, they own a lot of assets that you've probably heard of like the Atlanta Braves in Major League Baseball, Formula One, Sirius XM and Live Nation Entertainment. Needless to say, this dude is a total badass. I mean, running one company is hard enough. Imagine running all of these companies at the same time. And I was honestly kind of surprised he's only worth $123 million, but somehow I highly doubt he's losing sleep over it. Next we have Anthony Noto who started his career at Goldman Sachs in 1999 and became a managing director in 2003, just four years later. And then the following year after that in 2004, he became partner. Okay. Yes. That's the level that David Tepper never made it to. Okay. He's also served as the CFO of the national football league, which is probably the coolest finance job you'll ever find out there. He later returned to Goldman Sachs after working for the NFL and ran Goldman Sachs global media group. Okay. And that's where he helped Goldman Sachs land the lead bookrunner position on one of the most coveted IPO that year, which was the Twitter IPO. Okay. The following year in 2014, he ended up being hired by Twitter to become its CFO because he had done such a good job on their IPO. And then back in 2018, he left Twitter after serving as their CFO and COO and he became the CEO of SoFi. Okay. He helped take the company public at a $9 billion valuation earlier this year through a spec. And I tried to find his net worth online and I found a website that said that his net worth was $73 million. But that makes no sense to me because the Wall Street Journal actually reported back in 2015 that Noto made $73 million at Twitter just in his first year on the job. So if he made that much money in just his first year on the job at Twitter, there's no way that his net worth is only $73 million. So, I mean, when you really get to that level though, who's really counting, right? Next, we have Michael Cavanaugh, who was previously the co-head of investment banking at J.P. Morgan. okay? And he, at the time, was seen as the most likely successor to Jamie Dimon. And that was before he surprised everyone and left J.P. Morgan to become the co-chief operating officer at the mega private equity fund, Carlisle Group. Okay, he didn't stay at the Carlisle Group for very long though. In fact, for less than one year before Comcast pushed him to become their CFO. Now to compensate Michael Kavanaugh for leaving a firm like Carlisle so quickly, it was reported that Kavanaugh's compensation package was valued at $41 million just for his first eight months on the job. So like Noto, He was another person that I couldn't find the exact net worth for, but I'm pretty sure it's easily over a hundred million dollars at this point. Last but not least, let's end with Susan Decker, who started her career also at DLJ, just like Steve Schwartzman did. She started there in 1986 and stayed there for 14 years, making managing director. She later worked at Yahoo for nine years and served in various executive roles, including CFO. And then eventually as their president. Now, during her time as an exec at Yahoo, she helped Yahoo grow its revenue six times, six-fold, from $1.1 billion to $7.2 billion. And again, I also couldn't find her net worth, but let's just say that if you even ever achieve half the success that she's achieved, your mom would be very proud of you. So, what's my biggest takeaway in all of this? It basically just confirmed... What I already knew from my own personal experience, which is that starting your career on Wall Street can be one of the best things you ever do for your career. The amount of hard and soft skills you will gain during your time on Wall Street will help you elevate your career trajectory like few other careers can. Not only does it make you more attractive to future employers because they know you are one of the very few who made it through the uber selective hiring process in investment banking, but you'll also be seen as someone who is capable of working harder than most people. And perhaps more importantly, because your job as an investment maker is to advise the CEOs and CFOs of some of the most successful companies out there. People like a lot of these people that I just showed you today, right? Those are, you know, typically your clients. Naturally, that's going to be the best education you can get. If you have aspirations one day to become a business titan yourself, whether you want to start your own business, or if you just want to work your way up to the executive suite. So If this has inspired you today, and you know that investment banking is the right career path for you, and that's where you wanna start your career, that's what you want your first job to be right out of school, then I wanna encourage you to reach out to our team to see if we can help you beat out the competition and take your career to the next level. Okay, so if you wanna do that, feel free to find a link to book a call with our team in the description below, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to this episode.